Hello, and welcome to Transfusion's monthly podcast. I'm your host, Yara Park. In today's episode, we'll be speaking with the authors of the article, Transfusion Medicine Education Delivery in Rwanda, Adapting Transfusion Camp to a Resource-Limited Setting. Welcome, Drs. Terry Skelton, Christopher Gajayiza, and Yulia Lin. Thank you so much for joining us. Dr. Skelton, would you please introduce yourself? Thank you, and thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm a pediatric anesthesiologist uh, through the Department of Anesthesiology, Pharmacology, and Therapeutics at BC Children's Hospital uh, out in British Columbia in Canada. Um, I have a background in uh, doing some research in transfusion medicine and global health. Um, and have spent quite a few years working with the other two members of this podcast on this project. And thanks again for having me. Thank you. Dr. Gajayiza, would you please introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you. My name is Dr. Christophe Gajayiza. I work with the Rwanda Blood Services, who have been working for almost uh, four to five years. Uh, dealing with the blood components, and I've been working with Yulia, Terry on this project. So thank you so much for having me here. Thank you. And Dr. Lin? Hi, I am a transfusion medicine specialist and division head of transfusion medicine and tissue bank at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Center in Toronto. Um, as well as at the University of Toronto. So thanks so much for having us. Thank you. So before we get into this study, for our listeners not familiar with Transfusion Camp, can you give us an overview of what Transfusion Camp is? Yeah, maybe I'll take that one. So uh, we started Transfusion Camp uh, at the University of Toronto in 2012, and we started it with just the idea of bringing Uh, trainees together from multi-specialties to establish and teach them the foundations of transfusion and hopefully enabling them to practice evidence-based transfusion. And so from that, I think we had about 50 trainees in our first year. Um, In 2015, we thought, hey, maybe this would be great to start to um, have other sites come in and there was some interest as well from um, Canadian Blood Services and one of my cherished colleagues, Dr. Eliana Seidenberg at the University of Ottawa. And uh, we expanded the pilot to Ottawa. And then I'm really proud to say that with the faculty at the University of Toronto and many faculty across the country, we now have uh, all 17 medical schools in Canada signing in, as well as sites in the UK and um and now in Rwanda. So um, it really is an educational program about five days, now shortened to four days across the academic year. And we cover the basics of transfusion from indications to reactions to special situations like sickle cell disease and bleeding um, situations as well, usually capping it off with massive hemorrhage um, protocols. So uh, we're really proud of the um, extent of the, I guess, how we've scaled it up and, um, and, and that's sort of, I guess, the beginning of Transfusion Camp and um, where we started with this project. 
And so this is for trainees that are non-blood bank, non-pathology trainees. These are for the rest of the clinicians, correct? Correct. So we really wanted to focus on trainees that were not in transfusion, not necessarily in hematology, but we have a lot of hematology trainees that come in, usually in their first year of training. Um, We're really focusing on anesthesiologists, um, critical care, surgery, emergency uh, medicine, obstetrics. So we have trainees from all different types of specialties who are interested um, in having a foundation in transfusion. So how did you make the jump from Canada to Rwanda? For that, I think I'll turn it over to Terry. Uh, yeah, I can answer that question. Thanks, Yulia. Um, I had uh, experience working with a group uh, called the Canadian Anesthesia International Education Foundation, which is a long-standing education program that partners Canadian and American anesthesiologists, as well as some from the UK, uh, to uh, travel to Rwanda to offload some of the teaching needs that trainees have during their anesthesia residency. And so the first time uh, I actually went to Rwanda was in 2011, and I went as a trainee um, in, I believe, my last year of training um, uh, for this program. And I met a wonderful set of uh, colleagues there, and we continued to work on quite a few projects after that, mainly in anesthesia education. Um, And one key project was the Vital Anesthesia Simulation Training course. Um, And through that, the idea came uh, that if we could have a partnership in anesthesia, could we also have a partnership in transfusion education? Um, I had a very motivated colleague, Dr. Francoise Nizay-Mana, who's the program director uh, for the anesthesia training program in Rwanda. And she came to me seeking some advice uh, on delivering transfusion medicine education in Rwanda. Uh, And through that, we came up with the idea of uh, developing some form of partnership. Uh, Simultaneously, I had had the pleasure and um, wonderful mentorship of working with many of uh, Yulia's colleagues and Yulia on a um, massive hemorrhage protocol that's Ontario-wide and applicable to all uh, academic and community hospitals uh, within the province of Ontario in Canada. And so that linkage had been formed and we kind of uh, found a way to all get together. And uh, I met with Yulia and um, uh, convinced her that this was an excellent idea. Uh, And so that's how this all started. So can you summarize your manuscript for our listeners? Um, Yeah, I think I can do that. Um, And then I think uh, as well, I could uh, ask Chris to help um, with summarizing this manuscript in terms of uh, uh, the impact it has had on transfusion education in Rwanda. Uh, The manuscript that we wrote, we wrote for uh, the listeners of transfusion with the hope of providing an overview as to how this um, collaboration developed, uh, what worked well, um, what challenges we faced, 
and how we mitigated those in delivering the first transfusion camp, which was delivered uh, to a group of multidisciplinary trainees in Rwanda in 2022. And so the, what the manuscript does is it explains uh, our multi-step process and objectives in developing this program uh, from its inception. And uh, the most important aspects of the uh, transition of Transfusion Camp Canada into a curriculum that we call Transfusion Camp Rwanda is the collaboration we had with colleagues uh, such as Chris, uh, who we so gratefully uh, met and got to know really well uh, within the Rwanda Biomedical Center um, Blood Transfusion Division. And uh, the key to that collaboration is we uh, re-recorded many of the lectures and changed some case-based content as well as testing content to really reflect the local needs of the Rwanda transfusion system and medical system so that it was very applicable to clinicians um, there. And we reviewed the process whereby we collaborated on multiple platforms in order for hematologists and transfusion medicine experts in Rwanda and Canada to sh kind of uh, undergo a knowledge translation where they shared uh, different ways that products were um, uh, processed, uh, different sets of guidelines so that all of the content could be uh, adjusted. And maybe Chris, you can you can maybe jump in there because as an anesthesiologist, that's actually where I took a back seat uh, because I no longer had the skill set to fully understand the differences. And I learned so much by watching this uh, collaboration unfold. So thank you so much. Uh, I think maybe I can first give an overview of uh, how the blood services work here. Uh, before coming to the great idea, uh, Terry brought up to us, and then we uh, we kind of worked together so that we can give the better services to the population of Rwanda. So, in Rwanda, we don't have so many uh, physicians, and even when you look at the the education we get, they say the medical doctors uh, the uh, the, the lab techs, the, the nurses, the midwives. So there is no much emphasis during the uh, uh, university education. So uh, they, they can look at the blood services a little bit, blood med transfusion medicine a little bit, but they don't go into details to, to the basics that... Uh, that person would need in practice. So in Rwanda, we, we have enough, we, we try to, to have enough blood donation pool. So we have enough number of blood donors. And then it's easy to access those products since uh, we have our drones, we have uh, Zipline as a company which makes sure that it reaches each transfusing uh, facility in the country. So the issue now was uh, the knowledge. So how 
how to use those blood products, how to effectively use those blood products, how to request them, how to transfuse them. So that's what the, the transfusion camp helped us a lot. So uh, it has equipped, uh, uh, we started with the physicians, with the doctors now, which has, we can even, I think it's, uh, it has had that, such a big impact that we've even started to see the increase in the number of blood products which were not being uh, used before. So normally we could find that most of the physicians were requesting red blood cells, but now they are, they are requesting the precipitates, the, the fresh frozen plasma, uh, the platelets. So, and uh, I'm quite sure that uh, transfusion camp has uh, helped a lot in the uh, in the use of these blood products. So the transfusion camp has uh, massively impacted the the practice, the knowledge of the physicians around in the country. So thank you. So once you decided to do this project. What were the initial barriers to get it up and running? So I think the, the, the barriers, I wouldn't say there were so much barriers because maybe on the side of Terry, we'll, have, we'll talk more about that. But on our side, having uh, had the this from Terry saying that they, they have this project of transfusion camps which would help the, uh, give more knowledge about transfusion medicine on our doctors. Uh, there were no much uh, uh, barriers except that getting the physician to attend, the enough number of physicians to attend at the goal, the residents which who are very busy, as she said, I think they had invited around 31 and then uh, 27 turned up, if I do remember well. So just getting uh, uh, these doctors to attend the transfusion camps is more of a barrier than for, to, to my side as a blood service, but maybe Terry made some other barriers she can talk about. Terry or Yulia, do you want to mention any barriers you had on your side? Um, yeah, so on our side, uh, I, I think I first echo what Chris said. I think there weren't uh, many barriers simply because the Rwanda Biomedical Center uh, so fully uh, invested time uh, energy, uh, administration, and finances to, uh, to, to provide support for um, uh, future iterations of the course. Um, the article specifically uh, talks about the uh, first trainee course before we had the full collaboration of the Rwanda Biomedical Center. And at that point in time, we were um, really working through 
uh, a lot of new challenges in connectivity. There's definitely at times some internet connectivity issues uh, between Canada and Rwanda in sharing knowledge, um, barriers in travel. Uh, and and for, for me, and maybe Yulia can speak to this, I think the biggest barrier that, that we faced, um, uh, which was so well supported by Canadian blood services, is the need uh, to change uh, content. And so the need to change content is a massive undertaking because Transfusion Camp, uh, when, when we did the first pilot project, we just did uh, one day of it to start. But the amount of content that Transfusion Camp provides is immense because you're trying to teach transfusion medicine in, in a four-day period as concisely as possible. So uh, the, the barriers that we faced in re-recording uh, content was greatly mitigated by the support of Canadian Blood Services and really the genuine support of all the people that uh, the, who who had who gave the lectures in listening to the um, uh, changes that were needed to meet the needs of the Rwandan clinicians and then uh, kind of coming on board and uh, making those changes. Yeah, I'll echo that, Terry. I mean, I think. Um, we weren't really sure when this first started out, you know, how exactly it was going to work. Um, I think Terry's relationships um, with our colleagues in Rwanda uh, was such a huge starting point for us. Um, and then making those connections between the faculty um, of Transfusion Camp and all of our colleagues in Rwanda and just having that exchange um, we did a lot of it by WhatsApp and just really peppered them with questions about how different things uh, work um, or are available or not available in Rwanda and, um, and really tried to tailor um, our lectures in that way. But also it was very clear that um, our colleagues in Rwanda really wanted to know all of what was currently happening in transfusion. Um, as a way to sort of think, you know, when those products actually arrive, they would be able to use that. And I think Rwanda's um, system has been very proactive in terms of, um, you know, doing component therapy, bringing new products in um, with the goal of uh, really leading in that area in Africa. So um, for us, it was definitely um, such a great experience. Um, you know, I, I think the connectivity and the internet was always a bit of a challenge. And that was um, maybe one of the barriers that we had to overcome. Um, but I, I think that was something minor in the whole grand scheme of the project. I loved your screenshots of the WhatsApp conversations that you included as a figure. I think that was a really nice touch for the manuscript. You mentioned in the paper the vital anesthesia simulation training and the safer anesthesia from education obstetric anesthesia. How did those educational tools work and how did they inform your plans here? Um, yeah, I could speak a little bit uh, about that. I've not, uh, so SAFE uh, for obstetric anesthesia is of course taught through the World Federation Society of Anesthesiologists. They're an incredible organization that does such incredible work in terms of um, providing access to education content that is 
uh, easily deliverable across um, uh, multiple different countries with different needs and different contexts. Uh, I don't personally have a, a great deal of history teaching uh, or being involved in the creation of uh, safe OB or safe peds, but I am actively involved um, as a collaborator and instructor of the vital anesthesia simulation training course. Uh, I would say out of all of the incredible aspects of that course, um, which is ongoing in many, many countries um, uh, to this day, uh, we're teaching an upcoming course uh, in Ethiopia. Um, and the, the best aspect of that course is actually the multidisciplinary nature of the course. And I would underline that as the most uh, important to me anyways, as an anesthesiologist aspect of um, transfusion camp as well. Um, and it's one of the ways that uh, I saw the link or we all saw the link between different types of courses like VAST and transfusion camp. And it's the way of, uh, uh, as Chris said, there's so few physicians um, we're always dealing with manpower challenges. And if you can provide an avenue where surgeons and anesthesiologists and members of the lab um, can all come together, internists, pediatricians, critical care physicians, and share knowledge and debate and laugh and uh, be together across a table, across a simulation room, uh, it's a very fruitful and long-lasting and memorable learning experience. Um, and, and Chris, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I love that you have mentioned that you see a change in ordering practices. And I think changes often come from change in culture, especially at the hospital level. And it could be that providing courses that are so multidisciplinary, whereby if an anesthesiologist or an emergency physician now begins to order cryoprecipitate, uh, the surgeon shares that mental model because they've been at the course together. They all uh, have an understanding of the common set of guidelines. And, uh, and I think that's the most, um, that's the best way I can describe the link between those courses and, and the way that uh, kind of the idea of VAST um, influenced this link um, uh, in bringing transfusion camp to a more international um, uh, stage. Um, if I think of one of the best memories of a course that we've just run in 2023 uh, in Rwanda with um, a mix of physicians and lab technicians, it was the sharing between the physicians and the lab and actually watching Chris uh, give lectures to the physicians uh, and providing them with information that they may not have previously had access to and seeing the physicians just in awe of this information and watching it change their practice. And so um, that's how those courses, uh, I think, have influenced um, the idea of bringing Transfusion Camp to Rwanda. I have to say, though, the idea of the multidisciplinary nature of Transfusion Camp, that comes from the initial designers uh, and creative minds like Yulia of Transfusion Camp that um, had that in play as an important component from the very beginning. Yeah, so um, in the initial trainee version, which we talk about in Transfusion Camp, um, we recorded them by the faculty in Canada. Um, so that was done in that way. 
Um, as you've heard, since the trainee camp in um, 2022, um, we have gone on with the support of the Rwanda Biomedical Center to have a train the trainer workshop in June of or May of 2023. Um, and in this setting, um, again, always trying to take incremental steps uh, towards um, transfusion camp becoming more sustainable, um, the faculty in Canada then worked with faculty in Rwanda, um, and those uh, lectures were given in part by uh, some of the faculty from Canada, so myself and Dr. Jacob Pendergrass, who is a key um, player that we must mention, um, who also traveled to Rwanda, um, and, um, and then by uh, working with the faculty and the local faculty in Rwanda, we had some of the Rwandan faculty give um, uh, at least half, if not the majority of the lectures uh, for the Train the Trainer workshop with this whole idea that we are transferring uh, that leadership uh, to uh, the Rwanda uh, faculty. How might the lessons learned in this pilot inform efforts to teach transfusion medicine in other resource-limited settings? Um, what made, uh, what and what I liked more about the transfusion camp is that it was designed to the context of Rwanda. So, you know, uh, when you look in Africa, uh, it's the same transfusion medicine, but different uh, aspects. So with different uh, uh, ways of operations, because uh, I think in Rwanda, we are just uh, lucky that we have enough blood products and all those being the uh, component therapy, having components, so it's much easier uh, to deal with uh, the rest. So when I say the rest is looking at the clinicians, they just know these products are there. They will do these tests. We do this and this. So it's much easier, and that's uh, the thing I liked about the uh, the transfusion camp. It was more focused on. Uh, what we have as a country, what we have as the Rwanda blood services. So, and then now when you take it to the, our neighbors, we'll find it so that we need their context too, because uh, most of these countries, some of them, their uh, hospital satisfaction is very low. So we found out that uh, uh, they don't have... Uh, enough blood donor pool. They don't have enough blood components. So some of them are still basing on the family replacement blood donation or payable blood donation. So well, I think working with, uh, with the, the, the neighbors, the regions, I think uh, there would be much, uh, much more improvement in the aspect of the transfusion medicine around the region. So it sounds like since every country has a little bit different approach and different resources, 
you would have to tailor transfusion camp for each setting, for example, if they didn't have component therapy? Yes, that, that, that's that's what I was saying, and that's what the our colleagues from from Canada try to. Uh, they look at the standards. They look at uh, yeah, what the other side of transfusion medicine should be, and then, but then again, we look at how the country is. So, uh, like they were talking about PCC, it's just knowing that it's very beneficial it has this and this it can be used like this but then in rwanda we don't do pccs so we only have ffps right. and correct precipitate so you have to have that idea so that you uh, uh, contraceptualize on what uh, the context of the country One of the changes that was listed as being made to the content in preparation for a transfusion camp Rwanda was revising images from a DEI or diversity, equity, and inclusion lens. What changes were made for that lens? I think Julia would have to ask, answer that. Oh, Terry. Sorry, there was a code in the background, so I was just waiting for that to be. Oh. <laughs> That's why I was like, I can't. <laughs> totally understandable. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think we tried to, um, you know, change some of the images where they may have reflected um, images of Canada. We tried to, you know, in some cases include images of Rwanda. Um we we tried to think a little bit about um, reflecting the population that patients or that the cl clinicians would actually see and practice um, in our testing questions, um, you know, and it might have been as simple as changing the age of a patient um, or the specific scenario. Um, so just, I guess, being aware of those things that, um, you know, may seem very minor, but I think are important when when adapting that oh, we, we think about the types of patients um, and the population that uh, our colleagues are seeing in Rwanda. So I think we just wanted to reflect that. I think it's a really nice point that you made that change and took not took it took notice that it needed to be changed to reflect the local community. Knowledge is only one component of safe clinical practice when it comes to transfusion. What can people both within Rwanda and those outside of Rwanda do to help improve the safety of transfusion beyond education like transfusion camp? I think that's a great question and, and I think I'll turn it over to Terry, but what we found is that step one was the trainee transfusion camp. And, and that was great in terms of um, sharing knowledge. When we moved to the next iteration, which was train the trainers and invited um, physicians from across Rwanda to come together, we considered a second component to that. 
and it was not just about knowledge, but then this whole idea of, you know, what do you do beyond the knowledge? So maybe I'll pass that on to Terry and Chris. So uh, as you as you know, we do test all the trans, uh, transfusion transmissible infections, actually those which are recommended by WHO, the HIV, the hepatitis, both C and D, and or, I mean C and B, and then the syphilis. So for that, we are sure that all the at least the blood products we give in the country, they are all uh, uh, safe or free of transfusion transmissible infections. But then on the other hand, so we look at the adverse transfusion reactions, uh, so which comes in the knowledge of the physicians, the clinicians, the lab techs, the, the nurses, uh, as I said earlier the st at the beginning, uh, our, our education system, actually that's what we are trying so hard so that uh, in, the, in the education materials, so we are trying to develop education materials with the help of uh, USAID so that, uh, and also work with the Ministry of Education so that they can in, in, insert some education materials pre-service and then we develop some materials for in services of which the transfusion camp helped so much uh, and I think with the uh, if this transfusion camp could keep on going uh, there would be uh, uh, acquisition of knowledge or acquiring knowledge by the doctors on how to uh, to manage uh, uh, these adverse transfusion reactions, how to even the lab takes on the, on the testing side and uh, the storage. So, uh, and mostly when you look at the issues we have mostly in the, in the, in the hospitals around the transfusion facilities, it's all around uh, pre-testing. Some, they don't go all the phases. Uh, doing the, uh, the the compatibility testing or even blood grouping. Uh, sometimes their storage is, uh, uh, is not as proper as it should be. And then the knowledge to, to manage these uh, transfusion reactions. So most of that's where the issue is. And uh, I think... Uh, blood uh, the transfusion camps will keep helping such an area thank you mm. so looking back what surprised you most about this project i i, I was constantly surprised in the whole <laughs> experience <laughs> Um, I, I think I have probably the least experience in terms of reaching out and doing work um, outside of Canada. So for me, it was such a wonderful experience. And I think, um, you know, very eye opening and just realizing, first of all, how much we have here, I guess, in North America, 
um, but also how there is such a huge commitment to learning and wanting to learn um, in other areas. And that, you know, that that is such a wonderful thing. It, it's amazing, you know, as a teacher, it is always amazing um, to work with and teach others who really want to learn. And I think sometimes um, you can miss some of that in our environment. And so when you go um, to another place where people are so keen and enthusiastic. Um, it really does re-energize all of us in terms of being faculty, um, just seeing how um, committed everyone is to learning. So um, I think the whole experience for me has been such a wonderful, I guess, surprise. Not, not in that I wasn't expecting positive aspects, but just in terms of how positive um, the experience was for me. So um, you know, I had a great time. I had trouble getting to Rwanda. I think my I missed some flights. It took me about 24 hours. So for me, once I actually arrived there, it was just such a wonderful surprise to actually be there. And, you know, I took everything else that happened as such a great experience. So what's next for your group? Um, I might be able to speak to that uh, and anyone else can add in. Uh, we have um, been very grateful enough to receive some additional funding uh, last year from the International Society of Blood Transfusion and have applied for some additional funding for this year to um, uh, continue the partnership with the Train the Trainer and faculty development camps uh, with Transfusion Camp uh, in the hopes of providing uh, another camp in the uh, late uh, spring or May and June of 2024. Uh, along with that, we've been uh, fortunate enough to receive a grant from AfraHealth under the NIH uh, to provide some similar education in the form of a transfusion camp for graduating uh, medical students that are about to become interns and leave for the district hospitals. This will provide a much needed education um, for new practicing clinicians that kind of often go out into the districts without sufficient knowledge, as Chris was saying, in the avenues of transfusion camp. But um, due to the uh, excellent um patient blood management strategies that uh, Rwanda has provided through the Rwanda Biomedical Center, through ZipLine, they have access to um, all the component blood products in a very timely fashion. And so it's really important that we reach these medical students. Um, in collaboration with that, we will actually be um, increasing the amount of content in Transfusion Camp Rwanda to providing some specific content for uh, sickle cell disease. Uh, and that will be led by Dr. Sorry, uh, I'll stop that for a second. Uh, that will be led by Dr. Jacob Pendergrast uh, and uh, our colleagues in Uganda. And so we have a lot of uh, plans for the future, and uh, we hope to have some really great courses in uh, May and June of next year. I just wanted to see or to say how grateful I am uh, as. Uh, a physician at the Rwanda Biomedical Center, the Blood Transfusion Division, and 
for for the transfusion camp uh, as i said at the beginning it's been uh, it's been massive and the boost of the knowledge of clinicians around the country and then start that next year we'll be focusing on the interns and we uh, when we have these interns because in the few years they are the ones who will be uh, becoming in more the specialist specialist in different disciplines so uh, the transfusion mm-hmm. camp has been so 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 of much help to 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 this country so thank you and that's our show thank you to drs terry skelton chris gaya and yulia lin for joining us for a really great discussion this has been yara park for transfusions monthly podcast see you next time